Hello there and welcome to a very special episode of the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Today we have an interview with an author and the author that we have with us today is responsible for books such as The Rising Storm, Path of Vengeance and the wonderful High Republic Marvel comic series. We are of course interviewing Kevin Scott. How are you doing Kevin? Yeah I'm good thanks, how are you doing? Brilliant and with me on co-hosting duties I have uh, my good friend Chris. How are you doing Chris? Yeah I'm good thank you, looking forward to this one. Yeah, we've been looking forward to interviewing you for a while, Kevin, so we're really excited to have you here. Excellent. Great. Yeah, I'll jump straight into the questions, if that's okay. So what do you think has been your defining experience with Star Wars um, as a fan and as a writer, Kevin? Well, that's a way to get me to sum up 40-odd years. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sorry. Um, I suppose the, the thing that's defined it for me recently is obviously the work I'm doing with the High Republic but personally it's my kids it's um seeing them discover it so I tried for years to get the kids to watch Star Wars with very little success um and we I think we tried we tried um A New Hope and it just didn't go well anyway um then suddenly they came running in to to me and say come and look at this and I went in and and they were watching something on the telly and they went is this that star wars thing um <laughs> and it was rebels and oh, it was yes. um issue two uh, issue episode two or something like that um and it was the most star warsy thing i'd seen in years and so I, I said yeah and from that point on it became a weekly ritual that the you know the family would sit down and watch rebels and they were just the right age then for the force awakens for ray for all of that, and for me to also start working on on the franchise as well, um, and they went in, you know, hell for leather, and they still are. I mean, you know, my my youngest daughter, who's now fifteen, is still has a bit of a shrine to to um, Chewbacca in her room, and and so it's yeah, it's it was. I think it has become, and it's a cliche, but it has become family now. Um, and then yeah. you know, when Ahsoka came. With all the callbacks to Rebels, it was just like rediscovering it all over again. So, so yeah, so it's become become the family now. That's, a, that's so brilliant to hear. I'm a, I'm a huge, huge Rebels fan. It's probably one mm. of my favourite pieces of Star Wars. So to hear yeah. that the younger generation, that's their way in. That's such a exactly nice thing that. to hear. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, recently we had the wonderful anthology Tales of Light and Life that you had huh? a short story in Light, Light in the Darkness. Yep. Um, what was your aim with the story and um, sort of how did you come about the decision to focus on new characters uh, as opposed to making it fully about someone like Keeve or Ty Yorick? Well, there was, um, there was two reasons, really. One of them is I wanted to leave a little bit of mystique about what was coming in Phase 3 because I knew that the story would be set just before Phase 3, literally just before. Um and I didn't want to give away too much of what we'd be seeing in the comic with Keeve and the other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there was a technical reason for that. You know, it was a good way of, of dealing with it. So we'd have them, we'd feature them and we'd tease them for what mm-hmm. was coming ahead. But then there was the then was the the desire to show what the galaxy was like for the people living in it. And we'd spent a lot of time with the Jedi in phase one. And we'd spent a lot of time um showing their reaction to some of the atrocities of the Nile um, and some of the events. And for me personally, when I was writing The Rising Storm, some of the the passages that really jumped out on me when I was writing them were the ones when you sort of see people, ordinary people wrapped up in the adventure. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and there was so much going on in The Rising Storm. I didn't have a lot of time to spend with, you know, there goes. I had to spend it with the many, many characters I was I was required to cover in that book. Um, so this was a chance to yeah show what the galaxy was like, show that things had moved on um, quite considerably in the year between the two phases, um, and yeah, trying to show that the the Jedi are still light in this terrible time um, to people um, by showing what they mean to one particular girl on one particular planet, and then hopefully showing what the the average ordinary people of the galaxy mean to keep as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever been so tense as to when they were sneaking aboard that ship <laughs> trying to get the food. 
I was, I was bricking it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as you as you know, you you are a bit of a horror writer as well. That definitely yes. came across, I think. Cool. Um, cool. A, a follow up question to that, to do with that anthology as well. I mean, how was it re- for you reading um, Tessa Grattan's story? Um, which obviously picked up after your Mardero centric book, The Path yeah. of Vengeance. How was that for you as a reader? Well, I mean, that's the joy of this entire initiative because there's very, I mean, there's very few characters, if any, I think, that have just been written by one writer. I don't think there is any now that have just been written by one writer. So part of the joy of it is seeing them carried on and, I mean, Tessa and I and Justina had so many conversations about Marder um, and where she was headed. So, um, so yeah, I had an, I had an inkling, but I still love it that when we we discuss things and we and we talk about it, um, and there's a lot of planning and there's a lot of meetings, that there's still stuff there to surprise you, um, and that's that's what I love about it. And yeah, I mean, if I, I was I was really happy that Tessa was doing that, you know, because Tessa obviously one of the originators of the character. And while I had her for a little bit, um, it was really, you know, I think Marder is really Tessa's character um, in a lot of ways. So, so yeah, I was very pleased that she got to tell that particular part of the story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Marder is, we're huge Marder Row fans right. um, here. Um, Path of Deceit was wonderful. And uh, that short story is wonderful. But Path of Vengeance um, by yourself, it, I personally think it, it carried that story on seamlessly. Oh, so right. yeah, huge, huge fan, uh, Dan. <laughs> well, yeah, sort of something that you brought up uh, in in that answer there was that um, certain of the characters, even though you all share the characters, there are certain characters um, within the High Republic that do feel like they that they're sort of originating from one of the authors. Mm. Uh, so I guess my question for you is, it doesn't just have to be the High Republic, um, but is there a particular character that you've created or developed that really you feel a particular sort of ownership or stewardship over? Definitely stewardship, um, but I think it has to be Keith, Keith Trennis, and yeah. Skier, her master. Um, they were so central into the, my early days of planning for the High Republic. And of course, you know, I, when you're writing one of the main comic runs, you become associated with those characters every month. And so, I mean, that was one of the other joys about writing um, the short story was getting back to Keith because yeah. um, I'd missed her. And I, I have said before to, to, in other interviews, I know where she's going. I know, I've always known her last scene. And so we're now hurtling towards that, um, you know, where I am in writing um, now, because obviously the phase is just starting um, for everyone who's reading, but of course we're, we're quite near the end um, yeah. behind the scenes. So I wrote out the first scene for Keeve way back in the beginning. Um, so I knew where I had to aim towards, um, and, and I'm sure I'll rewrite it when I get to it, but yeah, so knowing where she begins and knowing where she ends, um, it's been a real honor to write that character. And I've been, I count myself very fortunate that on the whole, largely I'm, I've been writing her entire story. Um, so yeah, definitely Keith. And she's very personal as well, because a lot of her experiences came out of how I was feeling at the beginning of the High Republic when I was feeling um, slightly overwhelmed by the responsibility of it, um, wondering if I, if they'd chosen wisely, if they'd made a horrible mistake and I was going to be chucked out of Skywalker Ranch any minute. Um, so those, those feelings definitely um, provide a lot of drive for her story. Yeah. Um, you know, what would a Jedi feel if they were in the same boat, if they, they felt they weren't ready, um, they couldn't they couldn't stand next to these legends all around them um, and then having to step up. And of course, as we now know, people going into phase three and the time recording this, the first issue came out last week. Mm-hmm. Keith's been pushed even further. She's now a Jedi master, thanks to the Guardian Protocols, you know, she was struggling enough being a Jedi um, and suddenly she has more responsibilities and she is really questioning now. And so, yeah, it, it, she's so, she's so, she does feel like my baby. Me and Ario, we do feel a lot yeah. of um, parental um, worry and care for that young lady. <laughs> well, it's um, bringing up Ario and Indito, of course, like it actually wasn't too long ago on the podcast that me, Chris, and one of our other co-hosts, John, was talking specifically about that first issue of the High Republic. Right. From right at the beginning and 
some of the artwork that Ario did paired with your writing with Keith is stuff that has stuck with us for oh, that's, since I mean, then. That's, that's really heartening to hear. I, you know, it's, yeah. um, we've poured a lot of love into that book. Um, yeah, that, that and, panel that um, Ario drew of Keith sort of taken in the force is, yeah. I absolutely love that. Yeah. yeah, no, and I think that there's, I mean, he's so good at those big splash brothers. There's also the panel in issue 15, I think it is, when I, I mean, we see Ava doing the same. And it's yeah. just, you know, it's, yeah, I, I love, I, the one thing I think that I've taken more than anything is 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 working with Ario. I mean, we didn't know each other before all this. It's been, it, it is like finding a, a brother. Um, and we've now got a shorthand between us. Um, and he knows again. He knows where we're going, and so we've we've been planning it. We've got new members of the team as well, you know, coming in for this this phase. But um, yeah, working with Ario would always be a highlight. I had the um, fortunate. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to meet him um, at celebration. Um, right, he yeah. met me outside after the thing because we had the chat, and he might be joining us on the podcast soon. We're just trying to work yes. out how the time differences. <laughs> Yes, um, which is being quite difficult, but he's like one of the nicest guys I think I've ever oh, spoken he to. He's so generous yeah, with yeah. his time, and um, yeah. but I mean, on that, I mean, we had a question which you've kind of just answered, and it was meant to come up later in the thing, but I'll just quickly throw it in there now. Um, okay. Obviously, your first issue is out now of mm-hmm. Phase Three. Um, we've noticed there is a, a shift in tone, um, and there's a difference in the character of Keeve at this point in her so how was it visiting that time and that i'm sorry that character at this point in her journey it's a little bit heartbreaking i think that's the best way to describe it i don't i i don't want to i'm not this is not me comparing myself to stephen king okay i just want to put that right there but there was a moment when dr sleep came out i i decided i wanted to re-listen to or reread um the shining and so what I did was I decided to do the audiobooks and I, I listened to the audiobook of The Shining and then I went straight into Dot Sleep. And for people who know the, the two books, Danny is the kid in it, who probably most people know from the most people know from the from the film. They've not read the book. And at the end of the book, he's he's in a sort of like a, a moment of strength, you know, a, a moment of hope. When what actually did, I I finished The Shining one day and started Doctor Sleep the next day. And you have this gear change and this like, moment where you go from Danny being this cute little kid who's got a bit of a power to him being a complete and utter mess, waking up in a very bad situation. And it was heartbreaking. And I suppose that sort of informed what I was trying to do with this. Um, we have had a year out from these characters. They are they have had to go through a lot. There is definitely a, a difference in Keith. Um, I would hope it's not a complete left field change. It's stuff that we were seeding through. Um, and there's another story with Keeve in um, the Star Wars Revelations um, sh- um, short that's coming from Marvel next next month. Um, just a little, little you know, short story in there that again shows a little of how she's thinking at the minute. Um, and yeah, it was important to me because we are, you know, we're taking her on a journey this time and there's going to be so many different things along the way which are going to challenge her. Um, and it's really important to me that the Jedi feel like real people and mm-hmm. they're not superheroes. Um, and trust me, as a, you know, a superhero fan my entire life, there's nothing wrong with being a superhero, but these are people who feel stuff. And we said right from the beginning, the Jedi were going to feel. They weren't going to be cut off. They weren't going to be... Um, hiding away in their temple. They were going to feel emotions. They were going to feel um, relationships with each other. I mean, we were going back to to George Lucas's original comments about what the Jedi were when he was working with, on the prequels, about how the fact they could absolutely have relationships, but they had to be able to walk away from them if they needed yeah. to. Mm-hmm. That's the rule of attachment or, or, or no attachment. Not so much that they can't feel but the fact they feel and then they put the force first or they put the their mission first. And so that's, we've been, we, I personally, and I know we, as a group, we looked at those quotes from, from Lucas and we really focused on them. And with Keeve, that, that'll be the story we're going to see time and time again. She's really going to start questioning what it means to be a Jedi 
in the current, you know, because she knew what it was meant to be a Jedi in peace. She mm -hmm. suddenly found herself in a time where there is very little peace and it's not quite what she expected. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the High Republic obviously is known for its big dramatic moments and it putting its mm -hmm. characters through life changing or life ending plot developments. Is there, adding on to what you've just said, is there anything that you'd like to tell folk in advance of phase three? Um, I mean, are you going to break our hearts again? We understand that any answer you give is going to be evasive and non-committal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, one thing we, we have all said that ultimately there is hope here. You know, this is the story of people pushing back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's people standing firm. They've, they've gone through a lot. Some of them are coping with it better than others. And again, that's one thing we tried to do from the off. You know, some people cope with things better. Some people walk away. Some people stay. Some people change for the better. Some people change for the worse. Um, but as a whole, their darkest time has happened. You know, and when Starlight went down, spoilers, you know, there was a lot of people were, you know, going, well, that can't be the end. It was like, no, it wasn't. You know, that that was the, the midpoint of our story, you know, or, or even probably a little bit further on than that. That was the point where all hope was lost. And now we're going to start seeing hope restored. But it might be a while till we get there because, you know, <laughs> there's a lot to do. But it, along the way, we'll see little moments of hope. Um, and we'll see that spark growing and growing and growing. As I said, not all the kind. I'm not specifically talking about Keeve now, but you know, some characters will deal with that better than others. Um, characters on both sides of the conflict. Um, and again, I mean, that's the thing. I still look, think back to when we started, and there was this great big thing about this is going to be Star Wars without war. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, I remember. They, um, they're, they're, they're thinking about a different story than we're planning. Um, you know, this is a galaxy at war. I and mean, I think we all know war stories and we know the you know the the moments of complete love and joy you can have in the middle of the most dreadful war story and so i think you're going to start seeing those grow in number um yeah. as we start coming towards the end i mean that moment at the end when starlight fell that's kind of i mean star wars fans will know that because it, it's the last shot of empire strikes back isn't it it's the mm -hmm. things are at its worst yeah it, it's, it's how we what what we do from here that's yeah. that's where we're at now isn't it in the story yeah, exactly. And again, for Keeve, it was that moment when she looked at Ava, saw how broken she was and realised this was the woman I idolised and now she needs me. Um, and so she makes that vow, standing there looking at the, at the wreckage of Starlight saying, I will be strong, I will be the light of the jet, you know, I will be light and light. Mm -hmm. The reality of that is now hitting her, you know. And um, today, as we're recording this, um, I, I Have Darkness comes out, George's novel, um, and we see what's happening with Avar, and so that's going to have an effect on Kiev as well, because those two were so linked together, um, and Avar was so important for Kiev. She was, you know, everything she did when it was in a way to prove herself to, to Avar, Chris, um, and Avar has turned out to be a very different person to, to what Kiev thought. Um, so that's going to that's going to be interesting to see if and when they come face to face again. If I could ask a, a little tiny cheeky question before Dan asks his, are we going to see any more? Um, obviously, we saw a little bit of Lorna D in the first issue, so I'm very excited to see more from her. Um, but are we going to see some more Tyoric, perchance? Time will tell, it always does. Okay. <laughs> I know that was a cheeky one, I'm sorry. I had to ask it now. Um, well, we've we've done uh, quite a bit of uh, reminiscing about the, the wonderful High Republic stories that have come before. So I do have to ask you, what mm -hmm. is your favourite High Republic story so far that isn't one of your own from one of the other authors? It's really hard. It's an impossible question. That's it's, an impossible, <laughs> it's an impossible question in so many ways. I do love Eye of Darkness. Because it was so, it was the culmination of a lot of things we were, we were doing. Um, you know, and my best mate's written it as well, which helped. <laughs> um, but yeah, Eye of Darkness is up there. I loved, 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 loved what Daniel did and the team did with um, High, High Republic Adventures in the first phase. Yeah. And it's going to be better still in phase two. Um, 
but yeah, I, th I think at the minute <laughs> of, of the stuff that's out there, um, Eye of Darkness is 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 there. Um, just because I know what comes next, um, I, yeah. and I think that makes a massive difference. I've had the fortunate thing, uh, chance to read it as well, and I I agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> without giving, um, giving anything away. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Elzar's back, and he, you know, I I love my boy. Um, and yeah. and yeah, and and so it's um, yeah, I think at the minute I would have to say I have that. I think I think Avar fans are going to be happy as well. Yes. Um, so obviously you mentioned Phase Two, but in Phase Two you gave us more comics and Path of Vengeance. How yes. was it to turn your attention back in time to tell these prequel stories when the Phase One character has been left at such a pivotal moment in their stories? Oh, it was it was really hard because I mean, like everyone was clamoring to find out what happened next. We wanted to write what happened next, but we knew that we had to go back and lay some groundwork, which is what we were doing in phase two. But again, we didn't want it to be purely, you know, we wanted there to make sure there was characters there you'd care about. So uh, it was the not writing the, those phase one characters was softened by the response to, especially the response to for the Marvel comics, Tay and Builder. Um, and it was nice as well in phase two to write some characters that weren't Jedi. Uh, written a lot of Jedi by the time we got to, to phase two, um, and so it was. It again, it was that thing of seeing the seeing the galaxy through different eyes, um, and so yeah, it was. It it was refreshing. It was a planet a, a, a palate cleanser in a lot of ways. It was important work because we the things that happen in phase two will become increasingly obviously important in yeah. phase three, yeah. Um, and yeah, so it, it's it's. It's always good to meet new people um and you know a combination of that and absence making the heart grow fonder um i, st I just can't be believe it's all you know it, it's still, it only seems like yesterday we were starting this and we're already at this point um and yeah so it, it was it was a challenge it was a it was a risk we all knew it was a risk to go back we could have lost people um we probably did i don't know we seem to gain a few more along the way as well um but we didn't know if people were going to follow us into the past it was my fault i was the one that pitched the time slip um, time oh no slip. way oh really um because i had my, my star wars hat head on and i was like yeah. well this is what happens you tell you tell a story then you go back and then you finish it um and so it was absolutely um, me wanting to sort of mirror um the 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 original trilogy well the trilogies actually it's like george um, lucas's quote isn't it it's like poetry it rhymes yeah exactly um and <laughs> you know it's so i can absolutely hold my hand up to that and if it had gone wrong everyone would be throwing stones at me in the group but um <laughs> i think it's just we just about pulled it off so i think cool. phase two went well i mean are, are you gonna miss matty and tay yeah yeah i'm hoping one day i'll get back to them yeah um in some way, I mean, they're not gone. We know they're there, um, and that's the joy of Star Wars. There's always more stories. Um, but yeah, I definitely, it was definitely. I when I got to the end of that that run and the comic, and then obviously I had a little bit through Path of Vengeance as well, even though I wrote that before the end of the comic. Um, it was, yeah, it was a little bit bittersweet because I knew I was coming back to finish finish off what I'd started with Phase One. But I I enjoyed my time on Jedi. I'd enjoyed yeah. those characters. I enjoyed Builder and Tay Tay's growing, whatever that relationship is. Yeah. Um, it's quite sweet and, by the end. And yeah. and yeah, I mean, uh, Matty is is again. She's an, another. I seem to have this thing of of writing motor mouth young Jedi and Padawans. You know, it's um, she was very different to Tay. So it's very different to Keeve in a lot of ways. Um, but she was definitely kept from the same cloth. I don't, I don't know if they they wouldn't have met with them. I don't think Twi'leks live. No, I think Twi'leks have a similar life expectancy. Yeah, to um, that's a shame. They, yeah. They, yeah. I think they would have gone on. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I we we will ask you some non High Republic questions, but I I would I would be absolutely uh, me and Chris would be failing if we didn't ask you about the Rising Storm just a little bit. Um, right. I it is my favorite Star Wars book. I both adore it and sometimes I'm scared to reread it. <laughs> um, but I absolutely adore The Rising Storm. So I do have to ask, sort of two years on from that book, how do you feel looking back and looking at the way that it's been received by the fans? 
um, and how has it felt sort of sort of revisiting um, the, that phase again now um, and potentially yeah. some of those characters you've started with the rising storm I mean I'm, I'm forever blown away by the response to it it was that was scary because we 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 knew that the launch had landed well and I was following Charles's novel which we I knew was very well respect you know respected already um and I also knew the job that the writing storm had to do you know it was it had a lot it was a big book it had a lot of things it had to do it had to in a way pull back the curtain and go this is the story we're telling because it's I think that's you know when it, uh, we talk about structure and sort of story and you talk about the exciting uh, instant the, the moment that the story really kicks off that's the Republic Fair, and it was always supposed to be. Everything before, I'm not saying everything before wasn't important, it was building up to that moment, but the moment where the Nile struck the Republic Fair and the moment at the very end on the last page of the Rising Storm, the entire thing was planned around. That was the moment everything changed. And so, yeah, I mean, I, uh, for, you know, my first adult, Star Wars novel and you know you know again I've been reading these damn things since beyond before Heir to the Empire um you know with the the original novels um around the trilogy and so yeah there was a lot of pressure on it um I was I, I'm always overjoyed when people say I'm flattered and humbled and everything when people say it's their favorite um Star Wars novel that just blows my mind it's definitely um, ours yeah. Thank you, thank you. I mean, that's you know, that's I know that's such high praise because I, I know what the the bar is. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, it was it was it was an intense project, and I'm I'm still very grateful that I had the chance to write that one. Yeah, I mean, there's so many characters in that book whose storylines um, I absolutely adored, but the the one that I think I connected to i'm not sure what this says about me as a person but the one i certainly connected to the most was elzar's story <laughs> elzar's story in that i just every time we got back to elzar i was so gripped by his storyline um i know you're maybe not writing elzar at the moment but um can can we expect plenty more elzar in phase three? Oh yeah <laughs> it won't be the high republic without elzar in, in so many ways um yeah, I mean, again, it was that my it was my desire to have a character who felt real and mucked up, and mm. you know, the friendship between Elzar and Stellan, um, I think, surprised me in the writing of it. But I was very pleased with it. I was very mm. pleased how those characters worked so well together. Um, and at that point, in all honesty, I didn't know what the full extent of the of the of fallen star would be. You know, yeah. um, I was going to ask that. Did you know Stalin's no, fate at that point? No, because that was, as I've said various times during this entire initiative, we have fixed points in the plan that we know, like the, the Republic Fair was a big one. Starlight going down was a big one. Some of the events that you're going to see over the next month or so, they're the big ones. Those were set. We knew we had to hit them. We allowed ourselves flexibility of how we get there. And we knew main characters. There are some main characters that do have plot armor within the general structure of the thing because they have to get through to the end. And I honestly thought Stalin was one of them. Um, <laughs> so did we, and, I think. <laughs> yeah, and it came up, and uh, dreadfully sorry for people who've not read The Fallen Star, um, but it came very, very late, relatively late in the day that... Um, Claudia was working on that book and she was like, it's not, something's not ringing true. Um, and it was Stan's fate. It was too easy for him to continue the path that we thought he was going to drop. He was going to, he was going to walk in the story. Um, and that did have seismic effects on stuff going forward. But I think in the best possible way, and and it is. There's been a lot about you know death in the High Republic, and you know the amount of people we kill off, and all that business. But we have tried to make sure that deaths matter, yeah. And so they're not just. There's another one gone, and with that particular one, it matters so much because it affects, um, just about everyone going on, mm -hmm. and 
just like real life when a sudden death happens and the absence of that person is so keenly felt and changes the direction of everyone's life because they can't go to that person anymore and ask that's what we found happened so i remember there was a massive meeting we had when we literally went through trying to get you know, help help claudia and she was going this something's not right it's not working and i can't again most of these big decisions i can't remember who made the call now because it was such a you know there's been so many of them and it seems it's been so collaborative that you know you, you forget who suggested what but when it was suggested that that happened at the end of a of, of fallen star we went away we came back we talked about it we talked about everything it would mean um and then it hurt so we thought well that's the way we should go um but for me after right you know writing the rising storm the way i wrote it like elzar and stellan i imagine years of them being together yeah i mean i think that's what makes that moment in the falling star so powerful because the rising storm very much threw a spotlight on stellan and mm. it makes his arc so much more tragic and unexpected mm. because yeah. you think he's he's the uh the Luke Skywalker of the series, don't you? You know, and then yeah. obviously he isn't. Um, yeah. So that and again, I think, I think the one thing I, I wanted to do with him in the Rising Star, Star was he, he does become the poster boy for the Jedi at this crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, I didn't want to have someone who wanted that. You know, he doesn't. He he just wants to be a teacher. That's all he wants. And he's thrown into this situation, and like Keeve and Ava. You now have people who are left trying to fill the shoes of someone who perhaps didn't even want to be in that job anyway. Because mm -hmm. again, Ava didn't want to be the Marshal of Starlight, became the Marshal of Starlight. Um, uh, um, Stellan did not want to become Master Stellan, you know, right-hand Jedi to the Chancellor, vision for all, you know, hero, but he became that. And so... I think it's a really interesting dynamic we've got when, you know, these characters might not necessarily, they don't want to be in these roles anyway. They find themselves in the roles and then other people have to step up and take on those roles. And it's just, I mean, that's, there's so much conflict involved in that personally and, and, and um, inter between the characters that I think there's so much to explore. And I think that's the thing I'm really enjoying about what I'm seeing from some of the other the, the other writers on the team, what they're doing at the minute is is all of us picking at those um, scars that have been left um, and seeing where they take us. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. That was, uh, we, we appreciate having a chance to talk a little bit about the Rising Storm because no, no it, is, it is a favorite of ours. Um, we, because me and Chris are both uh, based in the UK, we've, we've actually had the fortune of meeting you a couple of times at conventions and book signings and the like. Um, but one of the most recent being um, Star Wars Celebration, which was certainly a highlight of our yeah. year, as I imagine it might have been mm -hmm. for a lot yeah. of fans. Um, how did it feel for you uh, as a High Republic author to, to be at that convention, to be at the signings, but also to be at that cosplay meetup and see people who have turned your book and comic characters into cosplay cosplay uh, meetup was hilarious so we'd done one the year before in anaheim um and they said we're going to do this thing we're going to ask people to dress up as high republic fans wouldn't that be a great idea and we all went that sounds terrible because <laughs> what if no one you know at that point we had no idea you know like no one's going to turn up they're all going to be dressed as ahsoka um and <laughs> We then had the convention in Anaheim. One moment we've all talked about lots is going on stage to the High Republic panel in Anaheim, because that's when we realized how many people did actually love these books. You know, 4,000 people turn up to a book panel. That doesn't happen. You know, it was, we walked in the room when this is the wrong room. They've put us in the wrong room. Um, and we couldn't see, we had all the lights in our eyes. We could not see the audience. We could hear there was people out there, but we couldn't, had no idea until the lights went you know, down again at the end and we could suddenly see the mass of people out there. And again, there was the cosplay and people turned up and someone was dressed as Skier in latex. And it wasn't just a Bosch mask. It was, they made a, you know, an actual Skier mask based on Ario's interpretation of the, of the character. It was just, it was insane. 
so yeah, we, we had an idea going into the second series, the second series, second um, celebration. Yeah, people might do this. But even though there was always that fear, you know, that, well, now, hang on, we've got, we've got everything else back now. You know, we've got all these things back on telly. We've had Obi-Wan. We've got Ahsoka on the way. In the, in the pandemic, we were pretty much the only thing that was around under the Mando, you know? So it was like, it was us and, Man, and Mandalorian, which ain't a bad place to be. Um, but suddenly there was so much more. So again, we had a panel and not expecting anyone to turn up. And they did, you know, almost to the same amount of people. And then we went out for the cosplay competition and we were taken through the hall and we were sort of delivered outside. And there was a couple of people there dressed in, in costume. We were like, oh, brilliant. They are. They are brilliant. We've got some posters. And they were like, oh, no, 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 no. We're just having a fag. It's over there. <laughs> that's, that's the cosplay group. And we looked over from these sort of like three people and we looked over and there was just this mass of people uh, all in co costume. And it was just like, it blew our minds. I don't think, I think what you can't tell from the pictures and the, you know, and everything, we were there for ages because we were just like giddy <laughs> because there was, a, people were giving us lightsabers that they'd 3D printed, you know, it was just, it was so intense, but in the best possible way because I'm always in awe of cosplayers because of the amount of time, and I couldn't do that, the amount of time they spend doing these costumes. And they spent doing that with our characters, you know, and those Jedi robes are in, you know, they're in intricate. It's not like a, you know, stick on a Herbert's, ro Herbert's ro ro robe and you're suddenly Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> there's filigree and there's, you know, there's layers and there's all kinds of stuff going on there. And, and they were just wonderful. So yeah, it was, um, I still look back on those moments and I still can't quite believe they've happened. And I know, you know, and if they never happen again, I'm just very happy I was there because yeah, yeah it was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. I, uh, we, we were both, uh, me and Chris were both actually at the, the panel as well. Mm. And there was a, there was a moment that like really struck me when, um, when they brought uh, Leslie Headland out and mm. showed the Acolyte trailer and, you know, there was a big cheer, but it was the moment when they said that, Vanestra was going to be in it and the room yes. erupted and I just had a thought when I was, I was there like this this is a mob over book like books and as someone who yeah. loves books and I, I, I it was a very warming moment to see that much love and reception for the books because usually the films and the tv shows get all the love but it was lovely seeing the books get even more of the love yeah I mean it was um that's been the that's been the thing that's been so incredible because you know we've all worked in star wars for a while and you're very used to being in the book bit or in the comic bit and you know and and I, i'm no way knocking that it's wonderful and i say it's been my fandom for years I, I became a star wars fan because of the comics before i'd even seen the films um but to sit so we were sitting in the opening ceremony at celebration in london and we knew Leslie was going to be coming on and talk about the Acolyte. We didn't know the Wookiee was going to be coming with her. And mm -hmm. then when he walked on in his temple robes and she turned and said for light and life to him, we all just sat there and sort of like, we were all gobstrucked going, what, what, what? Because again, we knew for light and life would be mentioned. <laughs> we knew, but it's all those little things that you do, or you feel like you're doing in a vacuum yeah. um, and you hope, you're going to just add a few stitches to this amazing tapestry that you love. Um, and then something like that happens and you see the, the, the world that you've created written large on the screen and watching. And we saw, we saw the trailer a couple of times over the convention sitting on the stage and we all got off our chairs and sort of sat and looked up. Um, and so we're watching that trailer with all those people in that room, feeling the base on the, you know, when you're sitting yeah. on the stage, you know, and, um, with Leslie, like, it, yeah, it was just, I don't think I'll ever forget those moments. Um, yeah. You know, just to see, that, that was the thing, you know, when we sat in those, those, those early days and worked out, you know, what would the Jedi be, what, you know, it would, it was just to see the robes, to see the, to hear the phrases. Um, and obviously the story is so much more than that. But um, that's when you, you know, and we've had it recently as well with the Young Jedi Adventures. Um, um, and seeing characters from the high republic starting to appear in yeah. in the young Jedi adventures um yeah it's you realize how you know 
you realise what a complete and utter privilege this is. Yeah. Um, because those moments will now never go away. I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was actually just going to ask you, um, obviously you've just had, recently had uh, an episode of Young Jedi Adventures mm. come out that you wrote. How, how did that feel, sort of taking your High Republic work into animation? Yeah. I mean, it was, so they asked me to, to put together some springboards for ideas and I sort of said, can some of them feature feature the High Republic characters? And they were like, well, yeah, you, yeah, you can. You know, I think they, they were secretly hoping that that would happen, but, you know, they were still saying, no, but do about half original and half featuring the characters. So, um, so I did sort of like hoping that they'd pick one of the ones with the, the characters, but not really thinking they might, you know, it was just that thing of going... Well, it's, this is his own thing, you know. It, you know, it's his own story. It's got his own characters it's for a different audience, um, and they came back immediately for the uh, the Loden and Bell story. Um, and I was so proud because um, if, for those people of all ages who watched the Young Jedi Adventures, um, the main character, one of the main characters, Kai, um, I just knew how how their relationship would work immediately. The first time I saw anything with Kai. Um, in it, which obviously before it was animated, just sort of seeing some of the the plans for the character. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, he's got to meet Belle. Because <laughs> the two of them will just work. I'm um, interested to know who else, what other story things you pitched for it. Because I can't well, imagine yes, it would be I mean, as wholesome without Alzar Man, for example. Um, I, I obviously can't say a word to that. Um, <laughs> but, but there was a few Belle ones in there because I was so determined. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, you know. Yeah, he's perfect um, for that, though, isn't he? Yeah, and it was a chance to show Bell in happier times, um, and it's a chance again <laughs> to show that he has the potential to be a great master one day. Yeah. Um, you know, it's much about him from our point of view. For the kids watching the show, who are fans of the show, it's all about Kai, and it's yeah. got to be. It should be. It's the you know, it's Kai's show. For High Republic fans watching it, it's a chance to show. The, the lineage there between Loden and Bell, and to give mm-hmm. Bell, even as a Padawan, is teaching. Um, and so that was really important to me. Um, and again, to give you know, maybe hints of the kind of person that Bell will become over time. Yeah. Um, and he, he is already now. You're not worried about um, kids potentially like Googling lo- uh, Loden <laughs> and see what happens? <laughs> And then um, people can Google or Anakin. Oh, well, yeah. see what happens there. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think you know they could they could go from an episode of the Clone Wars or some of the you know the more goofier episodes of the Clone Wars or, or whatever, That's and then true. get a you know a, then find an image of Hayden in the um in the makeup <laughs> and he's, he's on fire. So yeah, yeah it's um. Yeah, like all these things, there are. Star Wars is aimed at different ages, at different parts of the story. Um, yeah, people absolutely. keep telling me, "What do I tell my kids about Loda?" It's like tell him that he had them, he had wonderful adventures with Bell because he did yeah. until he turned to stone. <laughs> until he turned to stone. <laughs> Anakin had lots of great adventures with Ahsoka before he was. That's burned. true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so just to sort of finish off some maybe this part of the Star Wars chat, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of a. A throwaway question if you mind if you could recommend one star wars book to folk that haven't read the books what would it be and why like what would you recommend someone to start with? um if they're star wars fans it would always yeah. be the darth bane trilogy because i think it's one of the greatest trilogies ever written in star wars i agree it's amazing um that would be the one for me um if they're younger i would recommend they can get hold of them i think hopefully there'll be another version soon the the star wars adventures run that idw did um because that's a good sampler for um for younger fans just all like sample across the saga um again if they want comics the first two runs of darth vader are incredible both kieran and, and charles's yeah. um if they want a bit of um clone war action go back to the Legends um, Republic series, which is still my favourite Star Wars comic series of all time, um, and my version of the Clone Wars in my head. Um, so, so yeah, those would be my recommendations. Right. Um, well, we we would like a little chance to ask you um, something outside of Star Wars. So, obviously, you've you've written um, both a lot of sort of your own original work, 
but also mm-hmm. work within some other universes. Uh, and one yes. of those universes uh, that you've written in is Doctor Who. Um, mm-hmm. Considering that Doctor Who is coming back in a couple of weeks' time, I, I couldn't not ask you a Who question because I'm a, I'm a big Doctor yeah. Who fan as well. Um, first of all, are you, are you excited for Tennant and Russell T. Davis and co. to be coming back? And I'm, um, I'm vibrating. The entire anniversary thing is just incredible. Um, and the Tales of the Tardis mini episode things that were on recently, everything about it, I just, yeah, I'm... I'm such a big Who fan, yeah. and so, and it's such a big part of my identity um, that that yeah, I, I, could, I couldn't help but be excited. Yeah, really. Tenant is my Doctor Who, so I've right. just been so excited for that. I mean, who is your favourite Doctor, and perhaps who is your favourite baddie? So hard. <laughs> so my Doctor growing up was Tom, um, because I was that of the I'm of that age, um, and he was also the Doctor for about. 140 years um so i didn't know anything any different the only difference i knew of doctors were the novels which had some of these other white-haired blokes on the front um so tom is still probably my doctor um but then it's I, is that you know and this sounds horrible it sounds like a, a humble brag and it's not but it's the fact because i've worked with various doctors over the years as well. Colin will always be special for me because he was the first doctor I ever wrote for. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just also a very special man um, who I've been, remained friends with ever since. And so, yeah, I mean, the eight, eighties were the time where I think I became, I went Tom Baker scared me, to be honest. He terrified me. Um, I, I watched it for canine. Um, so the eighties when well when my fandom really kicked in when I started writing fan fiction when I started going to conventions when I started sending off a fanzines drawing awful art um, and so all through that era and, and like yeah Colin's era and Sylvester um, that was probably when I started to write so it was like I wrote a lot of Doctor Who fan fiction um, and so the eighties were very important to me as well but. Um, I am one of those people who struggles because I, uh, there are elements to each doctor I love. Yeah. And um, yeah, as I said, it's, it's the, the three, my three main fandoms in life are, are, are who Star Wars and James Bond. Um, and yeah, it's really hard to, to, to work out favorites. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, just, just because we're on some of your other work is, I mean, you've obviously had some original comics recently um being published um is there anything you would like to share with your star wars fans that you think if they haven't read some of your non-star wars work it's a piece of work that they would particularly enjoy yeah well hopefully um there was a book that came out recently from idw called ghost ship um no it wasn't called ghost ship that was the that's what we originally called it it's called dead seas that's yeah. this is what's showing what my brain is like now uh, <laughs> the ghost ship was the code name Dead Seas. Dead Seas is basically a story about a haunted prison ship. Um, we we said at the time it was a cross between the Poseidon Adventure and Halton of Hill House. Um, for Star Wars fans, the link is that Nick Brokenshire, who's done a lot of work um, on um, stuff with me, like in Tales from Vader's Castle, Tales from the Rancor Pit, um, Star Wars Adventures. Um, he's the artist on it. He co-created with me. Um, so it's a a fun disaster story with the sinking ship and ghosts. Um, and that's probably the best way I can sell it. Because, you know, if you can have a disaster story, if you can have a sinking ship, you have a world where everyone who drowns comes back as a ghost within seconds, you know, and a vengeful ghost of that. So, yeah, Dead Seas was a lot of fun to work on. Um, there's obviously the Star Wars link with Nick. Um, and, yeah, I think I think people would enjoy it. Brilliant. I, I just noticed there. I think Chris must have just lost internet connection, which is a shame. Right. Um, so he, 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 um, hopefully he will he will rejoin. Um, oh, okay. But I, I will ask you what we had down as our sort of like final little fun question for you. Um, mm-hmm. If if there was a obviously you've had the opportunity within Star Wars to write a, a, a wide range of characters. Um, yeah. Is is there one? character that you haven't had a chance to get your hands on yet that you just would really be desperate to write one day oh that's really interesting question because you're right i've been very very fortunate 
characters I always want. I always want to go back to Ham and Chewie and Leia because they're so much fun to write the three of those characters particularly. Um, who else would I really like to get my hand? I'd love to write a Dr. Afra something mm. at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, she seems to be the kind of character I would enjoy writing who doesn't necessarily take the entire situation so seriously as she should um, and gets herself into a, a lot of trouble. Um, so yeah, Afra I think would be my choice. Um, but obviously the work that's going on at the minute is Afro is amazing and I don't want to take that away from anyone. But um, but yeah, I'd like to like to have um, a go at Afro. I've never written Boba Fett um, and I have very definite, definite ideas of what a Boba Fett story should be. So yeah, that would be fun. I mean, we've interviewed a few authors now and we've asked that question to every single one mm-hmm. and every single one of them has said Afro. <laughs> hmm. But there's a reason why. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think we're, we're, all, we're all clamoring for that. Yeah. Um, Chris, do you, want yeah. To, do you want to ask your classic Afro uh, team-up question then? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, as Afro so popular, is there any of your characters that you'd like to do a scene, a team-up story with Afra? He's not obviously my character, but Afra and Jackson, come on. Yes. Why wouldn't you want to read that? <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to read that? <laughs> oh, I can't I can't not think of that now. Those two would be... Throw Lando in there as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, right, well, I think that brings us to, to the end of all, all the questions uh, we had. Uh, so, Kevin, would you like to let people listen and know where they can find you online, uh, what you've got coming out publishing-wise? Sure. So uh, the best place probably to find me these days is my Substack, which is kevinscott.substack.com. Um, I'm trying, the social media, as we all know, is a mess, and I don't really know what I'm doing with it. And so um, probably I'm on Instagram more than anything now, of those those networks, um, uh, Kevin Scott Writer. I'm still around on Twitter. <laughs> Who knows for how long? Um, I, I, I'm stubbornly there now, I think. <laughs> I don't like being there, but people still talk to me. And if people talk to me, I feel I need to talk back. So um, I think it's just rude not to. Um, but I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to hang on on Twitter or X or whatever you're supposed to call it these days. But yeah, Substack's probably the best place to find me, kevinscott.substack.com. Um, as for what's coming out, well, The High Republic, um, we've mentioned it a few times, the you know the, the comic series from Marvel has started now if you haven't got it on your pull list go and get it now um you can probably still find issue one um issue two comes out next month uh and then another recent thing that came out was tales from the death star which was our latest halloween um special from now from dark horse um all stories based around the death star and the various ghosts and demons that apparently live on that as well um i strongly recommend that and the good thing about halloween is that for me spooky season starts around sort of uh, August, actually it starts January and goes through December, but um, we all know that ghost stories work at Christmas as well, it hasn't just got to be Halloween, you know, ghosts are not just for Halloween, yeah. no, they're, they're for Christmas as well and beyond so yeah, um, tell them the best star, I think will be a good read wherever you are in spooky season Great If I could just recommend one other thing from Cavern to readers, because just because you didn't mention it, uh, your story uh, The Ward Ah was really great. Really enjoyed that. So if anyone if was into um, high concept, realistic fantasy, um, I, I strongly recommend that one. Thank you. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> ER with monsters. What if, uh, what yeah, if that's basically ER, it. which came about because my wife loves ER and I was watching it with her and I was going, this would be so much better with a minotaur. Um, <laughs> yeah. <and> so <laughs> I wrote a, a hospital drama when they have to help save minotaurs and various other mythical beasts so yeah it's um, the award available now from dark horse comics brilliant well thank you so so much for your time kevin it's no worries it's been brilliant chatting to you cheers kevin thank you very much good speech you boys okay take care man that was a that was a really fun interview yeah really really insightful actually like a lot more a lot more insightful than i was expecting because Kevin's obviously an intelligent guy, but no, he gave us quite a lot, didn't he? Yeah, some really interesting insights into um, Keeve's character that I actually hadn't yeah. thought about before. Um, 
no, that was that was really good fun. And you got to um, <laughs> make amends for your poorly timed joke from Celebration. I know, I know. I was so happy that I finally got to tell him how much Obviously, I love the Rising Storm. Obviously, we've mentioned the episodes. But Dan, if you want to just quickly tell that story again. Yeah, yeah, no. So um, I actually uh, went to sign in at Star Wars Celebration um, and Kevin Scott signed a couple of issues of the High Republic for me. And I sort of moved on to Claudia Gray and the next girl sort of came up to Kevin and got, uh, got signed some stuff and said that she was rereading The Rising Storm at the, at the moment. To which I don't know why I just impulsively said, "Oh no, why would you do that?" And then and Kevin sort of like looked at me and was like, "What?" And I was like, "No, no, no, I absolutely love it. It's just the loading." Yeah. Uh, so I was uh, since that moment I've just been paranoid that like Kevin Scott thinks there's one person out there who doesn't like the Rising Storm. So I got. But you to... actually said in this chat, you what did you say to him? Uh, oh yeah, it's a difficult to reread. Yeah, I, I still said <laughs> I still said I'm scared to that. reread it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I true though. That. It's my favorite Star Wars book, and I've reread it three times. But I don't know if I could do a fourth just because I get. So I've only sad. read it once actually, bro. Like it, it, it's it's in my top three. Oh, I definitely. Love it. So wonderful. Uh, so yeah, it was it was really nice just to be able to sit and gush about the rising storm with Kevin Scott. Yeah, that's uh, something I we do when Kevin Scott's not here. So it was quite yeah. nice. To, um, and then fingers crossed for that Afro and Jackson story. Oh my God, Afro and Jackson. Surely Marvel can let him do that. That's yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Jaffra. Jaffra. I'm shipping it. <laughs> oh God, rabbit and Afra. Not sure about that. <laughs> um, I, yeah. There we go. Was, was there anything else in there of, that we should... You should reflect on oh, there, was, there was too much. I can't. There was, there was so lot. much information. I yeah. can't even. Can't even think about it. To be honest. Oh, there's a nice little tease for Ty Yorick. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There was a little smirk on his face when we asked him that question. So yeah, we're yeah. going to get more Ty Yorick, I think. Yeah. And Which what was what, what was the other question you asked that he couldn't give an answer for? I can't remember. <laughs> it was it was it was towards the end, I think. Um, oh, when I wasn't when I said about um, the pitch and Elzar Man story for Young Jedi Adventures. Oh yeah, yeah. No, what was the other pitches for that? And yeah. I could possibly tell you. Yeah, yeah, which to me perhaps suggests that he might have another episode coming out soon. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, um, hopefully we get to see some of us from the other authors as well. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, DJO yeah, uh, on. Uh, oh yeah, getting Ram incredible Ram on that. Yeah. And Reef would be a good one, but I think what we all want is Diva Lumpop. Oh. <laughs> Diva Lumpop. We went two completely different ways. I went yeah. Geode. And then... <laughs> I just imagine Diva Lumpop like scaring the crap out of the children. Yeah. Like, when they catch it eating someone. <laughs> um, brilliant. Well, I, th- I guess that wraps up the interview. Um, yeah. That was, I mean, we've done pretty well. We've had Justina Island, Daniel Jose Older. Claudia Gray and Kevin Scott. Charles Soul, we're coming for you next. Yeah, uh, and Zoraida Cordova and Tessa Grattan. Because obviously, let's not talk about Lydia Kang. It breaks my heart. And George Mann as well. So we've, but we've got four out of the five of the original yes. Luminous team. Which so is Charles there. Soul, we're coming after you, mate. It's probably because they've just seen how many Darth Vader questions we want to ask him. They're yeah, like, they're just like, no. <laughs> He's answered these before. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. So, Chris, where can people find you? SW Book Collector on the Grams and other places, as always. As always. And mm-hmm. I'm at Vader's Castle Library, also on the Grams. And then me and Chris are on this podcast quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our monthly if this is your first time listening to a Star Wars Book Community Podcast episode we have, if you're a fan of Kevin Scott, you're probably a fan of comics and we have our monthly comics roundup series, which is me, Chris, and one of our other friends, John, which is our often chaotic and foul-mouthed breakdown of the, yeah. the, the comics like that jokes, come out every month this is, this is one for you. <laughs> um, and then we have our canon catch-up series where we're sort of taking a publishing order release date journey through star wars canon um at the moment a bit more well behaved for that aren't we yeah at the moment we just started on the 
Marvel Comics uh, series from 2015. So we've done Star Wars Volume 1 and Darth Vader Volume 1. Um, yeah. And then we also have Legends Library, where it's often Johnny uh, and Jesse and other people uh, taking a journey in chronological order through the entire Legends catalogue. Uh, that's on a little break at the moment, but that will be back soon as well. Uh, and yeah, yeah, check out our, from last week, you can check out our Tales of Light and Life anthology episode where we had a load of different um contributors from all across the Star Wars book community who came and talked about the short stories in that. Yeah, um, and then me and Morgan are going to plan our sexy Star Wars episode. <laughs> God, I don't even want to know what's happening. Yeah, it's it's called Star Riz. Star. And, and gonna, it's going to be about all the, the Mackin in Star Wars. So, yeah, look out for that one. Yeah, the Elzar Man segment will be the... Oh, no, the Afro segment's like half an hour long. Most of the episode is just Afro. Yeah, Afro and Geode. Yeah. Just banging all the chicks. Uh, brilliant. Okay, yeah. so thank you ever so much for listening. Yeah. Thank you again to Kevin Scott for joining us. That was an absolute pleasure. And go, if you haven't already, what are you doing? Go read his books, go read his comics. They're all incredible. Um, we're big fans and we sure, we're sure if you're listening, you either are already big fans or you will be if you read his stuff. So go have a listen. Um, nice. Chris, let's call it a yeah. day. Yeah. May the force be with you. Bye. Yeah, all that stuff. Ha, <laughs> ha,